0: What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long as I'm bringing you three to four shows per week filled with football knowledge. It's going to help your team win your leagues this season. So you need to subscribe to the fantasy authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short run, super niche and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back for the last time in 2021. Yes, we have reached the end of the road for this little podcast that could in 2021. It's September drafts. Are happening and will be over soon enough. I think I only have two left. But what a road and journey we've been on. I personally couldn't be happier or prouder with how it went. And I want to say a big thank you to the fantasy authority for hosting this podcast. Big shout out to Robbie Jeffries at NFL Robbie, Cody Kutzer at C Kutzer FF, Kevin Steele at Fantasy Wrath 13, and shout out to Kristen Welch who's doing the debbie authority pod and tom corson at dynasty infidel he co-hosts the dynasty show for the fantasy authority and he does prop talk with cody he's pretty good at props so definitely check that out follow their feed at ff underscore authority from dynasty to redraft to debbie to props they've got it all covered if you've enjoyed my nonsense i won't be doing any more football for the rest of this year i might be on a podcast or two here and there but i will be doing my tennis podcast match point number nine at mp9 tennis on twitter check that out tennis runs through november so if you're looking for some action during the week while you're waiting for those Weekend kickoffs. Check us out. I'll have some free plays for you. What a month this has been. Don't worry, we are going to finish strong. The season finale, you need to bring it home in an over the top way so people come back for next season. And I'm doing just that because I'm talking about a team with players you're drafting early and often. And that is the Buffalo Bills. That's right. We're all Bills mafia these days, but we do have some questions that need answered. Well, guess what? I got you covered. I dialed up Matt Perino. He's the Buffalo Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. And he hosts Shout, the Buffalo football podcast, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. This guy knows this team in and out. You can find him at Matt Perino on Twitter. And he's about to deliver the definitive guide to the 2021 Buffalo Bills. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Perino. Hello, Matt. Yep. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. First and foremost, thank you for joining me. Once again, I'm excited to chat about this Bills team. In fact, it's kind of funny thinking back over the last couple of years of us talking, the expectations for this team and especially this offense just keep growing. This year, it's obviously at a fever pitch uh, before we hop into the fantasy stuff. uh, It's not totally unrelated but how is the atmosphere around this team in training camp slash preseason now compared to the early days of Josh Allen?
1: Bills fans are notorious for their support even during the worst of times. So I would say the excitement level is obviously different because it's like a different caliber of team, of course, but they've always kind of come out and shown support. The The big deal is, is that they weren't able to be in the building last year because of COVID. So there was like 6,500 fans at each of the home playoff games. And it was great. It was uh, was an experience. But what it's going to be like in about 10 days now when the Bills host the Steelers. I mean, I would, if you're in driving distance, I always tell people, I've been telling people the last couple of months, find a way to get a ticket to that game. And even if you don't get a ticket, come for the party before and after because it's going to be quite an event in Buffalo that day
0: awesome stuff. And uh, Bill's mafia is ever growing as uh, fantasy gamers are <laughs> putting in their applications to join because they have a lot of guys on their teams and their rosters. So let's talk about this offense as a whole. And use last year as a reference to show just how big of a leap this team took. The Bill's offense went from 23rd in total points scored in 2019 to second in the league last year. I mean, nine points from being the top team. They also made the leap from 24th in total yards to second as well. And they did so by dialing up the pass and dialing Down the run. They ran 71% of their plays out of 11 personnel, third in passing yards, and 20th in rushing yards. The Bills also famously throw whenever they want, and they finished the regular season with the highest first down pass rate in all situations at 61%. They already came out throwing in Josh Allen's limited preseason action, hitting Gabriel Davis for a TD. From what you've seen in camp and preseason, what should we expect from this offense as a whole in 2021? Will it be pass, 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 and pass some more again? Or is there something else going on behind the scenes that maybe we need to know about?
1: It's going to be more of the same. I mean, when you have the talent that the Bills do at receiver, that's what you're kind of going to lean on. And it was it was kind of a surprise. They signed Jacob Hollister in the offseason to be kind of a competition for Dawson Knox, who is the incumbent starter at tight end. And they released him after what I thought was a decent camp. He was hurt a little bit, had a nice game with like three catches for 50 yards against the Bears in the second preseason game. And they decided to move on for whatever reason. Uh, It's still kind of sitting a little bit weird. We don't have like a lot of details on why that was. They signed a tight end, uh, Karing Waring, uh, just a former third round pick just now before we got on uh, to their practice squad, but they're going in basically with Dawson Knox. And, you know, you can do that when you have the kind of depth that they do at receiver. They went out and they signed Emmanuel Sanders, who was 34. Yes. But the kind of playmaker that I think can thrive in this offense, he's physical. He gets separation. That's the kind of, the key trait that a lot of these guys share. And then Cole Beasley, you know, I know he's made some headlines for his vaccination stance uh over the last couple of months, but when he's on the field, and when he's been on the field, this, this preseason and in training camp, he's been absolutely electric. I mean, he looks more in tune with and, and more in sync with Josh Allen today than he has at any point in his career. And that's scary because he had a career year last year. They still have Stefan Diggs. They have the Sanders, like I mentioned, and then the key to all of this and what makes this such a difficult team to deal with. If you're a defensive coordinator, Gabriel Davis is a guy that had seven touchdowns. He can, he can make an impact on limited touches and they can line up up anywhere. He can play the X, he can play the Z, he can play the Y, he can play in the slot. It doesn't matter. If somebody goes down in a game, Gabriel Davis is just going to step up into that role, whatever it is. And they they find ways to use them even when everybody's healthy. So they, they go really deep. They got a kid in Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is um, going to be Cole Beasley's repra- replacement when he finally you know moves on. He's shifty. He's a great slot player. He can uh, he's going to be their kick and punt returner as well. So they just have so much talent on this offense, and that just means. More big days for Josh Allen.
0: Well, let's talk about Josh Allen next. He had a breakout year last year. He had over hundred more attempts and 1,500 more yards than the year before while still being valuable from a rushing standpoint, adding in eight TDs on the ground. Your review of him last year gave me the confidence to draft him in multiple leagues. So thank you, Matt. Uh, I couldn't have been happier. How has Josh looked? And was that a peak year in 2021? Or is the ceiling for him a bit unknown? Because let's be real, the the dude can flat out play.
1: I mean, if he puts up the kind of numbers that he put up last year consistently over his career, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. So I feel like... He set the bar and I, my expectation as somebody that watches him every day is that that's going to continue. Is there ways that defenses can adjust and make things more difficult on him? Yes. I just think that there's too much talent around him right now in 2021. If you're asking me, is he going to duplicate that? Yes. I I think that they have answers, you know, for however teams want to play him, like go back to, um, 19. And I remember when we were talking in preseason or in the preseason last year, you know, what did teams do to him in 19 that threw him off of his mark? They, they rushed him hard. Like there was one game against the Ravens where they sent like an unprecedented amount of zero blitzes at him where they just basically went engage eight from Madden and just sent the house and, and he he crumbled in those moments. Well, last year, teams that blitzed him, he was one of the top three quarterbacks in the league last year when teams sent pressure. His completion rate, his production, his yards per attempt, just unbelievable numbers, un- unprecedented improvement year over year. And so I think those are the kinds of things that you see, the adjustments as an organization from Brian Dable, the play caller, Ken Dorsey's heavily involved as the quarterback's coach. And then Josh, I really think that they're kind of, they've been one step ahead of it. So I'm sure that they're planning for teams to attack them in a different way and coming up with the the kind of chess moves to answer them. And then it's about the offensive line too. This is an offensive line that's finally healthy at the same time. This unit did not play one game. They had everybody on the roster last year, but this unit that's going into week one didn't play one snap together last year all five healthy and so you're, you're talking about a full arsenal of weapons a healthy offensive line in front of you with two bookend franchise tackles they just gave Daryl williams a big time contract extension at right tackle and then of course Deion dawkins there's just too many ingredients right now in the recipe for in my opinion for this not to continue working
0: well a big ingredient in this recipe is wide receiver stefan diggs Uh, let's talk about the guys josh will be throwing to next in that wide receiver room those two connected three times during fantasy championship week last year winning people money trophies respect (laughs) It was a happy day for a lot of people. The only thing stopping these two from connecting is injury. To that end, could we get an update on Stefan Diggs' health?
1: He looks great. And I I know that he dealt with two and a half weeks of a a knee injury where he wasn't practicing. I wonder, though, how much that might have been something that came up and they just decided to dial him completely back because why bother wasting Stefan Diggs in the preseason when he showed what he could do last year without any preseason at all? Um, I think he's going to be healthy. I think that the some of the guys that we've talked about here are a big reason why maybe you can dial back the snaps for Stefan Diggs this year and you know kind of be a little bit more judicious in how you use him to try to you know have him be as close to 100% by the time you get to the playoffs as you can be and I know the Bills are it's tough to do that in this league cuz you got to win games you know the Bills are they've talked a lot about it they they want to have home field advantage in the playoffs I I think that could be a difference when you're facing a Kansas City Chiefs team that can score the way that they score having that offense, having to deal with the crowd in high Mark stadium, as opposed to the bills offense, having to deal with the, the crowd at Arrowhead is a big, it's a big advantage, but you know, Diggs, I have a feeling that he's going to top what he did last year, just because you can't zero in on him. That's, that's what makes really elite players elite. You go to Kansas city, and you got to make a decision. Who are you going to stop? You're going to stop Tyreek Hill. Are you going to stop Travis Kelsey? You're going to try to stop their running game, which had had its things go, going at times last year as well. You know, you got to make this decisions. And a lot of times, like you can't double Stephon Diggs. And if you can't double him, he's going to absolutely decimate single coverage against almost everybody in this league. Some of the best corners that he faced last year had no answers. So yeah, I, I think Diggs is. He looks primed to. Uh, have another you know top five fantasy wide receiver here
0: man i have a uh, working theory that Diggs and allen are going to go nuclear this year <laughs> i mean uh am i right in that thinking do you think
1: yeah i really think that what they do so well can be replicated like they win early he wins early in his routes like he gets separation and that's what josh allen has kind of proven to take advantage of against defenses if you if you give him a window in that first second or two at the start of a play, he's going to destroy you. And so I, I haven't seen anything change in that department. This Bill's defense, they're better. They're going to have a better pass rush. I think that they have one of the better secondaries in the NFL, pound for pound. I mean, you're talking about Tredavious White and All-Pro, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, one of the most disrespected safety duos in the league. And so I think you watch them all training camp long, and this defense that you know had some upgrades at the, at the point of attack on the defensive line, They were getting pressure most days when they were running 11 on 11. And it just didn't matter because there's too many options for Allen in that short and intermediate passing game. And then when he dials it up down the field, it's like they lull you to sleep a little bit. You saw it in the preseason, 15 straight passes. A lot of it was bang, bang, like right at the start of the play, like locate, find, find the gap in the defense, attack it and let the playmakers do work after the play. And that's a tough, that's a tough thing to deal with. If your defense I don't care how good you are because, you know, the offense has that advantage. Once the ball is in the playmaker's hands, you got to tackle. Well, you got to be able to keep up with their up-tempo approach. And so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be much of the same. Like I mentioned,
0: incredible insights, Matt. Thank you so much. Uh, After digs is where we need some help. You've mentioned Cole Beasley and his role seems pretty well defined in this offense, uh, but could you help us out with Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis? It's a pass heavy team. These guys might pop. You mentioned McKenzie. How do you see this room playing out on the field in terms of a hierarchy or who's going to get more targets?
1: McKenzie. He only really answers the equation. If there's an injury like to Beasley, like most of all when uh, Beasley was hurt late last year, he didn't play week 17. McKenzie had six grabs for 60 yards, two touchdowns, and then he ran back a punt for a touchdown. So the problem for him is he's just behind arguably the best slot receiver in the league. So, you know, he's probably not somebody that I draft at all, you know, I I would definitely like target him in a dynasty league because I think he's going to be the, he's like kind of the heir apparent to Cole Beasley in this offense. After you, you look at Diggs, who's obviously going to be the number one. I think Sanders and and Gabriel Davis, I don't know if either of them can be relied upon to be consistent producers just because I think there's at the end of the day, as, as talented as this offense is and as much stats as they put up, there's only so many balls to go around. And when you talk about the target share, for Beasley and Diggs there's just I feel like there's probably room for one other guy every week depending on the game plan and that could be a, any combination of things it could be a big big week for Manuel Sanders it could be a big week for Gabriel Davis it could be a big week for Dawson Knox who is really just the only tight end now on this roster that's probably going to get significant playing time and so you know when you had those kind of three and I don't know who to, who I could probably trust. I would I probably wouldn't trust them, and I probably wouldn't draft them. But other than that, I mean, you're talking about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley. I mean, those are definite targets in my opinion. If you're if you're in a one-year fantasy draft,
0: great stuff, Matt. Uh, the running back room in Buffalo continues to be led by a two-man show with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Drafters have planted their flags on both players and who they prefer. But who should they prefer, Matt? Who's looked better in camp and How do you see this room breaking down?
1: When we were entering cab, I probably would have just said don't draft either of them because they're, it's such a, a, a room by committee. And I think the addition of Matt Breida is really interesting. I think that he's going to get some, some game day actives because of his speed element and how they're going to choose to play that against opposing defenses. I think Singletary and Moss are, are similar in a lot of ways. But from what I've seen in camp, I, I, I'm, I'm heavily leaning towards Devin Singletary as the guy that has the chance to break out and maybe be the lead back of the group. He's just a little bit more electric. He's looked dynamic. He, he's looked explosive. He's running with a much more determined mindset. I think a guy like him with his talent, with his ability in a phone booth, you know, that's been kind of his calling card as, since his rookie year. Sometimes guys like that dance around too much. And they, and they don't like just find a hole and hit it. And I, I feel like he's doing a better job of that. He's had, I don't know I have to look at the numbers, but I think he's had like maybe seven or eight carries um, or seven or eight touches altogether, including catches this preseasons. He's got two touchdowns and he's just, he's making something out of very little. And that's something that in this offense as a running back, you have to do because they're not going to get a lot of carries. The, the bills throw the ball all over the field. They come out, they'll throw 15 times in a row to start a game, which is not a great like uh, way for a running back to get involved in a game. But I think that Devin Sing- Singletary has learned that to be a part of this offense and to be impactful, he's got to make the most of his touches. So I think that he's done a good job of showcasing some of that this year. And I still think there's, there's room for Zach Moss. He's only entering his second year. Like, don't let me, I'm not trying to downplay him. I just think that this is a year where it's not for the developing p- pieces as much as it's going to be for the guys that could come in and make, Things happen when the ball's in their hands. And Singletary's done that in the preseason and camp.
0: So we're giving Singletary a slight edge as we head to draft day. Uh, Many people will be drafting today, tomorrow, and the weekend. So this is valuable information. Thank you, Matt. Rounding to the finish in the tight end room, Dawson Knox. As you mentioned, he's the guy right now. And he established himself as the top tight end here last year. Allen did look for him. I I hit him on DFS a few times. (laughs) he, He gets in the end zone. What can uh, you tell us about Knox's August uh, and could we, obviously it seems like he's in line for an uptick in targets.
1: Yeah. See the big thing with Dawson Knox has been the drops and he's, he spent his entire offseason really just stressing, you know, the, his hands and everything that he's done training wise. He went out to Josh Allen or to California to work one-on-one with Josh Allen for a month. He went to tight end university to study with Greg Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson um, you know learning how to read film and you know conceptually like you know how to you know make himself more available for Josh Allen quicker and then also just like his hands like he's he hired a vision a vision specialist uh, where they basically like do all these things different things with like electronics and like ping pong balls and tennis balls they have machines and he just constantly, uh, I saw that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was working with the same guy for a, for a stretch as well. It's just to try to get your, you know, uh, your sensors firing in different ways. And, you know, he's, this is a, a former quarterback, turned tight end. He didn't play a ton at Ole Miss in terms of getting targets at Ole Miss, I should say. He played quite a bit, but in, a, in an offense with D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown, he just wasn't seeing the ball a ton. And so that's been the problem with Knox. So now it's about, you know, can he turn some really good pockets of production into more of a consistent, you know, expectation for him? And he had his final nine games last year. He had five touchdown catches in three playoff games. He had two. Can he bring that over? Can he not have any of those big time drops that maybe put him in the doghouse? He had one in training camp. That was, I'm telling you, David, it was one of the worst drops I've ever seen. He was wide open, streaking down the middle of the field. The ball hit him right in the hands. No DB linebacker was anywhere near him, and he just muffed it and dropped it. And it was, it was brutal. Those are the kind of moments that are going to like a- any type of momentum he develops. Those are the kind of moments that are just going to, you know, cause or create doubt. And so if he can put some of that stuff in the past, he's got the athletic traits, man. This guy gets separation as a tight end against cornerbacks. They line him up wide when they go spread. He can do everything. He's just got to catch the ball. And if he could do that, He's a super sleeper if he can if he can get some consistency in this offense.
0: Matt, this is why we are here. We're here to hear the inside stuff. And I think the vision specialist <laughs> qualifies as such. Uh, simply incredible, Matt. Thank you so much uh, once again. All right, Matt, I have one final question, but it's a bit of a toughie. I'm going to make you put yourself out there. What is your boldest fantasy prediction for the Buffalo Bills in 2021?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I've kind of dropped a couple, I guess. I mean, Singletary probably would have been my, like the bold one. I think Gabriel Davis will have a better season than he did last season. I'll say that that's my, my bold prediction. And if you're talking about a guy that you can get late, late in drafts to just stash and, and just see how it plays out, he's worth a flyer because you always got to draft somebody at the end of your draft that you got, that you, you kind of want to hang around and just kind of see him for a few weeks or a month. And then have another player that you could drop once you like put down your first big waiver claim or whatever. I think Gabriel Davis is a guy that's worth kind of stashing and just checking it out. Because if he does hit in a big way, if he becomes wide receiver two in this offense, there's there's real potential flex potential there. And he could be a like a champion fantasy championship winning flex guy. And if it all goes right. So I guess I'd say that's my bold prediction.
0: That's music to the ears of people who have been drafting Gabriel Davis all summer and best ball. He's a popular late round guy there. So thank you so much, Matt. You have said it all. This has been a masterclass of football talk. I mean, just simply incredible stuff. Once again, uh, I love chatting. This is my last one of these, Matt. So thank you for, for making it happen. You said it all. Like I said, where can people find all your stuff?
1: Well, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm so glad we got this in. I apologize. It's my fourth year on the beat here. And it's amazing how, how much more your schedule fills up. But I've really enjoyed these over the years. You do a great job. It's a great service to bring the beat to to your fantasy listeners. Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. If you want to get locked in on the Bills, that's the best place to do it. Myself, my my co-host, Ryan Talbot, we go live before and after every game. Uh, we'll have a preview show. We have a weekly guest segment as well, uh, Wednesday staple show. And then everything at Syracuse.com. Uh, you can follow all of our coverage.
0: And I follow Matt. You should, too. The guy knows this team. He covers it unlike anybody else. Uh, you really do a great job, Matt. So thank you once again. And until uh, next year, have a great season. All right, buddy. Take care. Stefan Diggs. Unstoppable. You are now dialed in. See you next year.